0: A lot to cover
1: today, and uh, how much time have I got? Oh, okay, two hours, perfect. <laughs> All right, so today's message is called A Church with Hope. I felt that uh, since today's our annual meeting, uh, memberships here or watching, whatever, um, I wanted to remind us, and for those that are new, what is Hope Fellowship about? Who are we as a church? How are we shaped? What shaped us? Um, uh, Sarah, I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm probably going to need that microphone working in a moment for Rod. I just realized I'm going to be calling him up. Um, but this t- today is about being reminded of our foundation. And we just finished hearing a song that Russ did, The church is One Foundation. I love the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Just a reminder of our union with God jesus with the trinity and with each other if you think it through carefully so that's that's kind of my hope today to get into all this um but before we do things that made me pause this is going to be a little bit boomerang-ish just to warn you they they don't have a theme per se because yeah we'll see how far i go on this anyway but officer i'm under grace not law It's funny, but it's not. Now the picture's kind of funny because the police officer's uniform is making it look like she's wearing the uniform. It's not, that's the cop's uniform, (laughs) just in case. So here's why this one's up there. I shared this with a friend of mine this week, and uh, uh, this topic of law and grace, and I believe there's a misunderstanding that it must be communicated. We've talked about the difference between law and grace or legalism and grace, and unfortunately, this kind of law has nothing to do with the law people are talking about. This law is speaking about how we interact as a, as a society. There are rules. I jokingly say there are no rules in, you know, in, in, as far as the church or stuff goes, but there are. There are still some common guidelines that we need to function under. Some are unspoken. Some are written. Um, but that's not called legalism. That's called legal. Here's the difference. As soon as you switch God into it and make it about shame and you got to do these things in order to be acceptable by God or please God, that is a legalism. That's the law we're talking about because the whole Old Testament covenant is based on this, do these things to be right with God. And then once a year, the Jewish system did that one-time forgiveness thing. So you really want to mess up the couple of days before because they'll all get forgiven in two days. You know, that's how it worked. Whether you were present or not at that event. Interesting. But then once a year, you're, oh, I'm clean, I'm clean. The next morning, you smack somebody, oh, a whole year to go. But anyway, that, that's, that's, this is where the law and grace thing. Like it's kind of funny, but legalism has to do with walking with God and finding rules in order to make that happen. And churches institute um, behavioral rules, other guidelines. Some of them are just, they call them biblical, but, man, you can make the Bible say anything. You really can and so I'm, I'm, is it Christ-like is my question, not biblical, all right? Is what we're sharing and what we're, how we're functioning, is it Christ-like? So I thought that's one we don't talk about it a, a lot lately. We've covered it for years. Um, and I thought, ah, that's one of those foundations that are really important. So with a bit of a smile and a good reminder. I hope that made sense. This one's really funny. Christians and Christian movements throughout history. It started here, 1 AD, and then all this stuff. And this guy says, so this is where our movement came along and finally got the Bible right. Jesus is so lucky to have us. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny, but it's so sad because it's true. This is more true than we want to admit as soon as churches and denominations have anything that, that says all of those people are wrong and we're the only right church, we got a problem. Because then they worship themselves, and I got something coming up on that. Do you want, are you getting it? Does this make sense to you? Because uh, just because even Hope Fellowship, we focus on identity and grace and, and the love of Christ, the love of God, and so on, finding more hope-filled perspectives, we haven't arrived either. We're not the exclusive message to the world. Are you kidding? But I want to move more away from having the cookie cutter. Here it is. Because we're still growing. We're still learning. Anyway, enough on that one. I thought that was funny and true. Why do we close our eyes when we pray? When we cry, when we kiss, when we dream? Because the most beautiful things in our life are not seen but felt only by the heart. Now, this comes to the prayer part, because we've kind of talked through what is prayer at different times, and I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to touch that on that this year. Uh, in fact, our uh, Grounds and Grace group on Friday morning watched a really good video on this. I should send the link out. I forgot to do that. I want to send maybe the whole church. Somebody's got to remind me or I'll forget. Some, somebody send me an email to do that. Um, if, if you're watching online, Brenda, send me an email to remind me to do that. Um, but what is prayer, and the idea of closing our eyes? Because we've said, well, you don't have to close your eyes to pray. And I know some teachers, preachers, they walk around with their eyes open. I was like, that's weird. Like, like, I'd never seen that before. The first time I saw that was like 20 years ago, and I went, oh, how do you do that? How can you focus? <laughs> you know. Anyway, it's just funny. And of course, my understanding of prayer has greatly changed and grown and matured, and, and just only to realize, oh my goodness, there's so much more to learn. So the whole idea of feeling from the heart, there's a sense there. It's not just the ritual. Is there room for the ritual? Yes. But it's how it connects with our heart. And because spirit speaks to spirit. So there isn't one way that's right, one way that's wrong. Which evangelicalism has been a reaction to liturgical thinking. That's where the evangelical, Martin Luther, came out of that, uh, uh, rebutting some of the traditions of the uh, Catholic Church and the rituals. Some of them really needed to be challenged because they were awful. Um, But in that swing, the evangelical church has dismissed liturgy, dismissed icons, art in many ways. So there's much to learn, more history we need to absorb To become more understanding, compassionate, and loving. The lie that we are separated from God is the original sin. This made me ponder when I saw that. That, ha, ha, ha. This makes total sense. Especially when we look back in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were, according to the narrative we read, you know, they ate from the tree and they saw they were naked and uh, God came looking for them. Where are you hiding? We're hiding over here. You know, and they're... Why are you hiding? Why why are you covering yourselves? Who told you? Something happened in their minds. Not in God's mind. If God is so repelled by sin, yeah, but the Bible plainly says God can't stand sin. He turns his back on, blah, blah, blah. Really? Read the rest of that text, by the way. The the next comment would be, by the way, oh, Lord, you don't do this. You can't stand sin. You, You turn your back on it. So why do you then? Why do you face sin? Oh, we're not told that part. People like to hang on to that angry God negative approach, and it drives me nuts. But this lie, that I see is the original sin. Not, oh, they, remember we've been told that Adam and Eve horribly disobeyed God. They rebelled, they shook their fist at God. No, they didn't. There's nothing in Scripture, nothing in the Hebrew Bible that expresses uh A fist anger. None of that happened. Otherwise, they would have given him other gestures as he came back to visit. It didn't happen. But their mind needed changing. And Jesus was not going to let them stay in that state of mind. And that slide's coming up soon. But this made me ponder. I loved it. Oh, I love this. Jesus didn't say, love your theology as yourself. Jesus didn't say, love your politics as yourself. Jesus didn't say, love your beliefs as yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Now, I want you to read a little slower. Because if you hear this slower, it may change the meaning. All right, here we go. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I love me pretty good, so I'm gonna love my neighbor pretty good. No. Love your neighbor as if it's yourself. Have you ever heard that lens before? Ooh. Bible plainly says, (laughs) for those who like that line, oh my goodness. I love this too from Paul Ellis. Of all the sinners... Jesus met, how many did he condemn? None, nada, not a one. He only condemned religious know it alls who thought they knew God's heart better than he did. Ouch. I had a lot of fun this weekend, a lot of up and down different topics that made me ponder and think. Oh, this one's good. What Christian persecution in North America really looks like. Ow, I'm being persecuted. Sorry. Okay, enough. I could see where I could get in trouble. Anyway, I love this one too. Grace doesn't make everything okay. I love that. But makes you okay in Christ despite everything else. Grace says love anyway. Give anyway, enjoy anyway. When everything seems broken, grace says, you're okay anyway. I can email those to you, just adds up. (laughs) These are good. This kind of pause or screenshot catches my attention every once in a while because even though... (sighs) And I pray every day for hours and study my Bible every day for hours and, you know, no, I don't. Okay, just kidding. It's a joke. Um, I live life like you. I have my ups and downs. I have my emotions go all over the place. I got people I get mad at. I, I, I vent, and that vent becomes the process of becoming gracious because then I hear what I sound like, oh, that's not Jesus. <laughs> And this reminds me, it's okay. There's room. I don't have to look holy for anyone. I have to be loving for those I love most. Love this one. God's mind never changed about man. The son of man's focus was to change man's mind about the Father and themselves, his passion was to crucify and bury man's orphaned, alienated mindset, resurrecting their consciousness to the original blueprint life intended. Jesus came to wake men up to their authentic Genesis and to bring their right mind. Genesis means origin, your original. Um, Francois Dutoy, in the Mirror Translation, uses that word a lot, your Genesis. Yeah, the origin. Really, really good. That made me ponder, got, got me excited. I got one or two more. When we Christians become convinced that we are the only authority on truth, that anyone who opposes us is evil, and that things will only get better if, we're in charge of all positions of power. That is when we know we are no longer worshiping God. We're worshiping ourselves. And This is something we as a church need to learn. Oh, we've got to get a Christian leader in place. Well, it's nice if you do, but you don't hijack it, and then it becomes you-driven. You put that person there, not God. Like it's, You begin to think even of your politics, you go, <gasps> wow. This was an interesting one that made me ponder. I think two more. Sometimes, oh, and I love this one. This is really good. Sometimes we say deconstructing my faith when what we really mean is I just discovered that faithful followers of Jesus have for centuries read the Bible differently than I have been taught to. I love that because... The word deconstruction is getting a good rap and a bad rap. And people who overrun the base or fall over into the one ditch at, at the expense of the other ditch are m- really mixing it up. And I think the more we learn of our history, our church history, especially the early church fathers. We're not talking Martin Luther. He's not an early church father. He was in the in that area. Okay, that's not early church. There's still 1,500 years of church still. Okay, so early church fathers, the best of the first five centuries who were closest to the living Christ, who would have heard most directly, most closely from the closest sources of information. We have much to learn. I thought that was really, really helpful. Maybe somebody here needed to hear that encouragement. Somebody online needed to hear that today. I love that. Last one. Quit thinking it's up to you to police people and that God needs you to take a stand. God needs nothing. Quit trying to parent the whole world. Quit offering advice when exactly zero people asked for it. Quit being shocked when people don't share your morality. Quit serving as judge and jury in your own mind of that person who just cut you off in traffic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Quit thinking you need to discern what others' motives are and quit rehearsing in your mind what the other person did to you. It's all so exhausting. <laughs> I hope the ponderings encourage you. They were, I know it's a bit heavy today, but they're just good to me. If you don't like them, oh well, you can fast forward later. <laughs> a church with hope. Instead of a uh, Henry Nowen devotional, I have a Richard Murray post that I wanted to share with you today that I think is really, really helpful as we get into this. Uh, we are a church of hope. The mind of Christ. You know, we are not commanded to put on the mind of Job the mind of Moses, the mind of Adam, or the mind of any other Old Testament saint. They all had flaws in their minds, hearts, and characters. And they did not perfectly represent the Father's nature. But we are told to put on the mind of Christ, Only the mind of Christ. And, as John Wesley liked to say, all the mind of Christ. Jesus was flawless, fearless, and fully the exact representation of Abba God. Hear ye him, the voice from heaven proclaimed. We have his mind, his spirit, and his passions living on the inside of us. It's time we open a free-flowing tap into the indwelling keg of Christ. You can tell what I had last night. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Richard Murray shared that. Really deep. And a great reminder. We've been taught so much we're, we're oversaturated with teaching. We are. We just click, more teaching, more teaching, teach, teach, teach. I need more, you know. Pastor, you just don't feed me anymore. I'm leaving. Okay, didn't know it was my job to feed you. So, again, who's to feed us? Holy Spirit. God may move you around to other places for your journey, or for somebody else's, who knows? But I just thought, that was great, yeah, somebody just wrote, that was a great quote from Richard Murray, yeah, it's an amazing quote. If you go to his Facebook page, it's, it's there. It's really, really good. So a church with hope. That's what I think Hope Fellowship is. We are a church with hope, we have not arrived. Really, really important to be reminded of that. Because some mindsets, and especially in pastoral training and all the conferences pastors go to, they're set up and equipped to go to these workshops to be ready to give an answer, to look good, to attract people into a program that will work. So it's, about, it's a fishing trip, really. Which bait do you want to use? And it's, some of it's awful bait. And really, unfortunately, it's bait and switch most of the time. Here, come to our church. We're loving, we're this and that. Whoops, now follow these rules, now that you're here, ha ha. And we sometimes have, well we recognize that because we've done that to other people too. We haven't got it figured out. We're a small church that has been growing spiritually, mentally, growing in numbers, shrinking numbers, growing, like it's all over, who who knows? I will not go to a pastor's event and buy into the, so how many people you got at your church? How many people has your church won to Christ this year? You're like, I'll, I'd rather go and watch a hockey game or something. Like, Sorry. I've just, I used to love that because it fed my ego. I was able to brag on the church that, oh, I was the pastor of. That, who's that pointing to? Me. No, this is not about me. The hero of the story is supposed to be Jesus the whole time. As soon as you make it about yourself, oh, this church is so lucky to have me. (laughs) Just for fun, I won't say who, because none of you know them. Somebody came years ago to Hope Fellowship and had this attitude of, you're so lucky to have me by giving me the resume of all the church stuff they did. Here's how valuable I am. I'm not kidding. It's an actual resume. And I know why they did it, Uh, it's it's the shortcut to relationships. It's all it was. Look at all the stuff I'm good at, so you want me in your church. Well, they didn't last long, but it taught me something too. Well, I kind of went, what an attitude. And then, oh, here's a mirror. Oh, and I saw similar things. By the way, some of the things that tick you off Things that tick me off already reveal something that's kind of there already. We just make it look nicer. So who are we as a church? If I'm saying go back to the first five centuries and figure out how the early church came to their beliefs and functioned, then 2,000 years later, we as Hope Fellowship, maybe it's good to hear how this local church came to be. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, our living blessed hope is a joyful confidence, a sure expectation based on the character of God. In Christ, all God's promises are answered yes. Hope has been a really big thing. And I'm going to invite Rod to kind of share a little bit of who hope is. And just share from your heart, there's no time on this, okay? And if this is all we do, then we have arrived. But this is, this is important for Hope Fellowship to hear from one of the individuals who actually was part of the beginning, and knows it much better than I do. So Rod, would you just kind of
0: share? I'll try. When we talked about this last night, he said, oh, a couple of minutes or so. I said, oh, you're giving me a microphone, that could go on. nice try (laughs) so way back in the early spring of 1994 That's almost 29 years ago. There was a group of us several families who got together and We met in different people's homes Um, there was a group of us that had um, left a church where we had been attending for a chunk of time um some of us for varying lengths of time but anyway we decided to get together let's get together and see what happens here we met for prayer and we did some study and as we did that we thought i think we sensed within our group that maybe we should pursue starting up a church (laughs) what's all involved with that a whole lot of work well there was but one of the things that comes along with that is, well, you gotta have a name. And at one of those times, one of those early times when we got together, one in the group came and she said, in my uh, quiet time this morning, I came across this verse and I just, I felt like God impressed it on me that this is something for this group. And it was the verse from Jeremiah 29:11, which is now on the screen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And there's the word hope in that verse. uh, One of the things we did in meeting that group and deciding to go forward and and form or start up a, a church body that met on a regular basis was, well, we had to come up with a name. So funny how we did that everybody came up with three different names, everybody in the group. We pooled all those, made a long list, and then we submitted that list back to everybody, and we each had a chance to label them one, two, and three. What's our first choice? What's our second choice? What's our third choice? And the first choice from that long list of names was Hope Fellowship, your community church. The second place name some of you will have heard this before, some of you won't, was Norm's place. Because we were meeting at the time in Norm's basement. And it's funny how close that vote was. It was only two or three votes behind Hope Fellowship. So uh, good story. So I guess you could say Hope Fellowship, your community church and in brackets that met at Norm's place. Say what? Well, the Your Community Church. Well, the hope and the fellowship, you can kind of figure that out. Your Community Church, we wanted to be a group that was inviting. That if people came through the door, they felt welcome. They'd want to come back. And so that's why we called it Your. We were reaching into the community, but it wasn't ours. It was yours. Come on in, be a part of it, if you feel led to do that. And that's where that whole name came from. And one of the things we said from the very beginning as well was when people come, we're very thankful for that. Glad you want to come and join with this group and be a part of it, but let's hold them with open hands. And if those who have come decide that at some point, I don't feel a part, I don't fit in there anymore, I hope, then let them go. So that expression, hold someone with an open hand. Yeah, we may be sad when we see you go. <laughs> Other times we be, <maybe>. yay! <laughs> At last! <laughs> I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, <laughs> but it just... <clears throat> I'm speaking off the cuff, so you never know what's going to come out. Anyway, that was the start of Hope Fellowship. We met in, uh, well, I think we used Norm's place. We met at different people's homes for, I think, a couple of months, something like that. And then we got word of where we moved to from there was, uh, for those of you who are familiar with Waterloo and Lutherwood, they have a permanent facility on Benjamin Road in the north end of Waterloo, just inside the city limits, because across the road is Township. And they had a a chapel there and Waterloo North Mennonite, who now have a permanent building at the corner of Benjamin Road and Weaver, they were meeting there prior to us. And they had just moved out and moved into their new facility and we heard about this coming available and we spoke to the uh, management there and they agreed to let us move in and rent there. So we were there for the first five years. We were there for five years. We moved from there. We spent a year at... uh, so what's the school, Catholic Elementary School, St. Nicholas on Beringer Road, I think it's Beringer. Beaver Creek Road, it's in Laurelwood anyway, you guys probably know that, <laughs> Gordon, Janessa, um, and then from there we met at Emanuel Daycare, an old school that had turned into, been turned into a daycare, uh, from there we moved to the outlet mall, St. Jacob's Outlet Mall, and from there we're now here. There's 29 years of history all wrapped up in about five minutes, six, seven, I don't know. Back to you, Mike.
1: I hope that gives you a quick insight into the history, because I can't, I can tell it, but then it's just words. But when somebody who's lived it shares, it's just a, it's far more meaningful. In the next couple weeks, what I'd like to do is kind of talk through what Hope Fellowship's values are. We did some work as a leadership team for a number of years. Seems like we always gotta do the same work. I was like, hang on. We've got some pretty good stuff that we've worked on for years. So I wanna share some of our values, some of the things that we believe, some of the things that are unique in our theology here at Hope Fellowship. I think that's gonna be important because people ask, so what do you believe? I don't see a doctrinal statement. That's right, you don't, <laughs> because that can get you in even more trouble. Um, but we're happily, I'm happy, happily sharing um, kind of that journey of the next two weeks, maybe even three. Explain the logo that you see on the wall there, um, things like that. I, th- I think it's going to be important, um, and that'll tie in with our, our annual meeting as well. Um, Sarah, could you put me to the last uh, full picture uh, of my sermon slide? Um, just because uh, we're done. <laughs> I, I'm really getting hungry. That chili's smelling really good. Oh, I did. Oh, sorry. Yes. I, I never heard me talk about chili, no. But I did. Yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those ponderings today. May we go back and reread them. Maybe something triggered us. For those that are newly connected to Hope Fellowship, hearing how we've come about, and we're still on a a journey, still plotting the map. We don't know where we're going, but we know you, and that's all that matters right now. So, Father, as this church lives, it's your job if it grows, it's your job if it dies. And we're going to be okay with that. But for now, for those that you connect together, we're going to enjoy the ride. Thank you for all the interesting people we've met, the relationships that have been formed, those who have left and gone to other places. Thank you for the connections we had with them. We're not done. We thank you for that. Amen.